As you know, we are spending a little time this fall exploring the concept of the Godhead. We're talking about what it means for Christians to affirm and to understand that God has made himself known in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, each of these three persons of the Trinity is eternal and they are equal in their essence, but they assume different roles in their respective work. Throughout the Bible, we see each member of the Godhead meeting specific needs. And so, with this series, we're looking deeper at some of the characteristics of each person of the Trinity. And we also are reminding ourselves continually that we need the Godhead, that we need to turn to the Godhead to meet all of our core needs, because God designed us that way. Only he can fill our deepest needs. Well, we spent our first few weeks looking at God the Father and what it means that he is our protector, our provider, and our identity giver. And today and next week, we're going to look at two of the needs which Jesus meets. And then the final weeks, we'll spend learning about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives in meeting our needs. Today we're going to look at one of the aspects of the Godhead that helps us get really close to him. And I dare say I don't want to single out any aspect or characteristic of the Godhead because the Godhead is complete in its entirety, but this one aspect is probably the one that helps us grow closest to God. Because today we're going to explore what it means that Jesus calls us his friend. And that he gives us the privilege of calling him our friend as well. Now a lot of people seem to struggle with the idea of calling Jesus our friend. I mean, after all, he is eternally coexistent with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there at creation when God spoke creation into existence. And scripture tells us that all things were made through him. And that without him, not one single thing was made. The Bible also proclaims that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. Jesus is called by lots of different names and titles throughout scripture. And he fulfills so many different roles in our lives. I've been listening to lots of music, several different songs this past week as I've been working on this sermon. I listen to music because it's one of the ways that I connect um, really deeply or closely with God. I've been listening to songs like, I am a friend of God. Songs like, Jesus, friend of sinners. Um, this morning songs in worship um, have really helped um, draw closer and, and understand more fully what the meaning of Jesus is as part of the Godhead. One of my favorite gospel songs that I've listened to this week also is called Long As I Got King Jesus, and it's by singer-songwriter Vicki Winans. It's an oldie but a goodie. I don't know if you've ever heard it before. I recommend it to you. A long time ago, I used to have a car with a sunroof in it, 
And when it was summertime, I would love to put this song, long as I got King Jesus in my CD player. That's how old my car was. It had a CD player. And um, I would lift open the sunroof, and I would sing along um, and praise Jesus. This song really kicks it, and it always put me in a good mood. And so I'd drive along. Well, I had one hand on the series. I'd drive along, and I'd sing with Vicky. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's my very best friend. I call him in the morning. I call him in the evening. Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus. I love him. I adore him. I worship him. I lift him up. Do you want him? I've got him. Do you have him? Jesus. If you've never heard this song before, listen to it. And if you've got a sunroof, do it on the way home from church today. (laughs) You'll love it. It is one of those songs that reminds me that Jesus is everything. Yes, he is creator God, Lord of lords, and king of kings, and he is also my friend. (laughs) What an amazing thought, right? Jesus is all of that, and he is our friend. Jesus is both our king and our friend. You see, this is a both-and kind of proposition that has amazing ramifications for our lives. Friendship with Jesus does absolutely nothing to diminish his glory, and it does not diminish his authority in our lives either. In John's gospel, Jesus gathers with the disciples for the Last Supper. And this section in John's gospel covers several chapters, and It begins with Jesus gathering with the disciples and washing their feet before the supper begins. Jesus got up from the table. He grabbed a basin and a towel, and he began to do the work of the lowest household servant. Now, some of the disciples were put off by this, including Peter. They were indignant that Jesus, who was their Lord and their teacher, would stoop to do such a menial task. But Jesus was setting an example for them. He said to Peter, you're right, Peter, I am your Lord and your teacher. And if this is what I have done for you, you should do the same for others. Because there is no servant who is greater than his master. So they have the Passover meal together. And all the while, Jesus continues to teach them and prepare them for what is about to come. In the greatest expression of love ever known, Jesus is going to lay down his life for the sins of the world and to reconcile people back to God. And while they are still gathered there at the table, Jesus shares these words with the disciples from John 15. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know its master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Mm. 
I think this is one of the most amazing passages of Scripture. Jesus Christ, the only Son of the living God, calls us friend. I mean, we can easily see how the image of master and servant fits well. But Jesus calls us friend. Jesus loves us, loves us enough to call us friends. You see, the, the word that Jesus uses here for friend is the Greek word philos. And that comes from the Greek verb, which means to love. So when Jesus speaks of friends here, he's really saying, those whom I love. And so when we read this passage, or when we hear this passage, we should read it or hear the word friend as someone who is really loved. Not the kind of friend that's a casual acquaintance or someone that you work with, but someone who is loved. So being loved by Jesus and being his friend are really synonymous. And when we call Jesus our friend, we are saying to him, I love you. And we demonstrate our love for him by following his commandment to love others. We need to cultivate friendship with Jesus. As you sit there this morning, think about some qualities of a friend what is it that makes a friend a friend in your mind? Think about a friend that you've maybe had for a long, long time in your life, your oldest and dearest friend. Or think about someone that you consider to be your very best friend today. To me, one of the qualities that comes to mind is loyalty. A friend is someone who is loyal to you. They're your friend through thick and thin through life's ups and downs. And they're your friend not only to your face when you're together with them, but also when they're with other friends and you're nowhere around. A friend is also someone who watches out for you. It's someone who has your best interest at heart. They cheer for you when they see you succeeding. They offer helpful advice when they see you heading in the wrong direction. A friend is someone you can confide in, and they can confide in you. It's someone that you can trust your most personal confidences with and know that they're not going to betray you. And you, likewise, will hold their confidence as well. A friend is someone who wants to share life with you. They celebrate with you in all the good times, like birthdays and promotions and when you buy a new home. And they're there for you when you're in the hospital, when the bottom falls out of your job, and when tragedy strikes. Sam Rayburn was Speaker of the House of the United States longer than any other speaker in our history. One day, the teenage daughter of a friend of his died very unexpectedly. And early the next morning, this man, his friend, heard a knock at the door, and when he opened it, there was Mr. Rayburn, the Speaker of the House. And the Speaker said to him, I just came by this morning to see what I could do for you, how I could help. And his friend, the father, replied in his deep grief, I don't think there is anything that you can do, Mr. Speaker. We're making all the arrangements. 
Well, Mr. Rayburn said, have you had your coffee yet this morning? And his friend replied that they hadn't even taken the time for breakfast yet that day. And so Mr. Rayburn said that the least he could do was to make a pot of coffee for them. And so while he was working in the kitchen, the man, his friend, came in and said, Mr. Speaker, I thought you were supposed to be having breakfast at the White House today with the president. And he said, well, I was. But I called the president and I told him I had a friend who was in trouble and I wouldn't be able to make it today. For me, that story is an example of two friends who were sharing all of life together. That even in the midst of tragedy, they were just showing up, even doing small things with great love. Willing to give, even to give up something no matter the cost because of the friendship. I can think of friends I have or friends I have had over the years that I've done pretty well with living up to these kinds of qualities as a friend. And I can also think of friends and think of times when I have really missed the mark, sometimes by a lot, when I've not been a very good friend. And when I think about my friendship with Jesus, <laughs> it seems that my side of the friendship isn't all that different. Sometimes I've done okay, and other times I've not been a very good friend. Maybe not as bad as Judas selling out Jesus. Maybe not as public as Peter's denial of Jesus. But not always loyal. Not always faithful. You know what I mean. But here's the amazing thing. We find it in verse 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. That's amazing, isn't it? We didn't choose him, he chose us. It's Jesus who chooses to be our friend. And Jesus chooses to be our friend whether we accept him as a friend or not. Jesus made the first choice to love us, to die for us, to invite us to live forever with him. We make the next choice, to accept or reject his offer. But without his choice, that first choice, his choice to love us, we would have no choice to make whatsoever. Because unlike the way we form friendship, Jesus chooses friendship with us regardless of whether we like him or not. And it's this radical act that gives us permission to either accept or reject his offer. We have to make the choice and choose friendship with the one person who will never leave us, never forsake us, never reject us. Jesus will be our closest friend, and all we have to do is open our hearts to him. For you see, Jesus invites us to a deep friendship. As I said before, not a casual acquaintance kind of a friendship, not a someone-I-work-with friendship but a friendship that might better be described as one that's built on love. Almost like a family relationship. Some of you have children who've gone off to college recently. Some of you have children or spouses who 
are in the military and are overseas. Some of you may have children that live a long way away. We don't always live really close to each other anymore. I remember when our daughter Sarah left for Romania about a year and a half ago, and we weren't sure how long it would be before we would see her again. It's a difficult thing to anticipate being separated from someone in the family or even a close friend. And while Jesus is sitting around the table with his disciples in this passage, he tells them that he's going to be going away for a while. And the disciples become distraught. They're full of despair. They're full of confusion. Jesus tells them in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You see, Jesus is reassuring his friends that they don't have to worry. They put their faith and their hope and their trust and their belief in him. And thus, their eternal life is secure in him. In fact, Jesus tells them he is going to go and make a place for them, to make room for them, and that he's going to come back for them so that they will all be together. Jesus is drawing on some imagery, some, some of the customs and the practices of his day in the marriage um, process. You see, it was common back in that day when a couple got engaged for the husband-to-be to go back to his father's house and begin putting an addition onto that house. He'd build a room or two where he and his bride-to-be could live, where they could raise their family together. Whole extended families lived together back in that time, unlike us today where we all set up our own households and sometimes live across the country from each other. It wasn't like that in Jesus' day. In his day, the father and the mother were the patriarch and the matriarch and all of their sons and their families kind of just added on until it was like this whole compound where the whole family lived with brothers and sisters-in-laws and cousins and moms and dads just running around all being family together. Jesus is saying that eternal life with him in heaven is going to be less like each one of us living in our own mansion and way more like being a part of God's great big family all gathered at the table together. The picture of friendship that emerges from Jesus is one that is interrelated. It's relational, it's mutual, it's communal, and it dwells inside of us. So how do we cultivate our friendship with Jesus? Well, I think it starts by giving thanks that Jesus has already chosen you to be his friend. And then you make the choice for him to be your friend. And as with any friendship, you know, the more you invest in that friendship, the deeper, the stronger, the more satisfying that friendship is going to be. One place to start is by expanding our vision of who Jesus is. Yes, he is the great friend of sinners, and he draws near to us in our suffering. 
He remains committed to us even in our stumbling. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. And he loves us more deeply than anyone else ever, ever could. We know that practicing the six habits helps us grow deeper in our faith, and hence it will help us grow deeper in our friendship with Jesus as well. And we know that one of those six habits is to spend time every day with God. This has two parts of it, actually. Spend a little bit of time each day reading and digesting God's Word, and also spending some time each day in conversation with God, talking to God, praying to God. Now, it's obvious in our human relationships, our human friendships, that relationships thrive on communication, don't they? If you don't talk with your friends, it's hard to know what they're doing. You can't grow in your relationship with them. It's just like that with Jesus. Jesus wants us to talk with him every day. He loves to hear from his friends. So talk to him as much as you can in the morning, in the evening, at lunchtime, and in between. You might start by thanking him for all the goodness that he gives you. Thank him when you first wake up in the morning that you have another day of life to live and serve him. Thank him for your family, your food, your job, your home, all the ways he provides for you. Thank him for dying for your sins, for being your friend and for reconciling you to God and offering eternal life. My friend, the list of things to thank him for is endless because Scripture tells us that every good gift comes from above. And so there is no end to those gifts that we can thank Jesus for. Start cultivating thankfulness in your conversation with Jesus. I guarantee you it will be sure to deepen your friendship with him. Another thing friends do is confide in each other, right? Jesus confides in us, doesn't he? He's, he shares every truth that we need with us. They're right there in the pages of Scripture for us to find. And so we can confide back to Jesus whatever's going on in our life. Confide in him what you need him to help you with right now. What's got you scared? What's got you uncertain about the future? What are your doubts? Are you wondering what your next step should be in your job? in another relationship, or even with your kids. Confide in Jesus. Ask Jesus for help. And of course, confess your sins to Jesus and share your burdens with him. Jesus died to take away your sins and to give you freedom from them. The Bible says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive them. You are no longer a slave to sin, but a friend of the Savior. And Jesus wants, to share, wants us to share our burdens with him. And he wants to share our burdens for us. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That gospel song I told you about, Long As I Got King Jesus, also says these words, I know he's a burden bearer. I know he's a heavy load sharer. Man, when I've got a burden or a heavy load, how thankful I am that Jesus fills that role for me. We can also prove our friendship with Jesus by doing the things that we see him doing. We can obey his commandments found throughout scripture. You see, a friend of Jesus will weep with Jesus over a child who is hungry anywhere. A friend of Jesus will go with Jesus 
to fight injustice and oppression wherever either one is found. A friend of Jesus will give his or her time for the poor, for the outcast, for the addict, for the homeless, for the lost. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus is waiting. He's ready for us to become deepest friends with him. Revelation 3, 19 and 21 says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. If you have never been a friend to Jesus, he is standing at the door waiting for you to open it up. And if you haven't been the most faithful friend to Jesus that you would want to be, good news. He disciplines those he loves. And he does that so that we can grow to be an even more faithful friend in the future. Confess. Repent. Be restored. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, waiting for us to open the door. Don't be like the Pharisees who rejected Jesus' friendship because they didn't like what he was doing. Jesus ate with sinners. He healed hurting people. He fixed broken people. He didn't go to perfect people. And so I think that makes you and me exactly the kind of friend that Jesus wants to hang out with. The kind of person who recognizes and knows just how much you need Jesus to be your friend. He's standing at the door knocking. May we let him in. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for being our friend. Lord, we know that you are Lord of lords and King of kings and over all things, and yet you love us and call us your friends. How amazing that gift is. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for times when we haven't been the kind of friend that we want to be to you. And we know and trust that in your great grace and mercy and by the power of your Holy Spirit, when we confess and repent, you will restore us and bring us deeper in our friendship with you. Help us do all the things that we know how to do, Lord, to stay in your word, to talk with you daily, to serve in your name, to make our friendship the deepest it could ever be with you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our friend. Thank you for bearing our burdens. Thank you for being the greatest friend who will never, ever let us down. We give you thanks and praise and lift your name high above every other name. Amen.